Welcome to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, this is Lois Bowers, editor of McKnight's Senior Living. I'm joined by James Balda, president and CEO of Argentum. We're going to be talking about big issues facing senior living providers, Argentum's new strategic plan, and the association's upcoming Public Policy Institute. James, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Lois. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. And Happy New Year. I don't think I've seen <laughs> Thank you. I can say that, I know, but I haven't seen you. So. You too. Well, speaking of the new year, we are a little bit into the new year now. Um, what do you see as the biggest issues facing senior living providers right now? And are you seeing other big issues on the horizon? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's been a, a crazy, uh, if you believe it, five years, actually thinking back now, um, back to 2018, when we started dealing with, with some occupancy pressure related to overdevelopment, and then right into 2020 with the uh, COVID, and then as we start to come out of COVID, you know, suddenly dealing with uh, labor challenges, wage pressure, inflation, um, uh, and continued occupancy challenges. So, you know, I think those latter ones are the ones that we're still seeing. I think labor is still a challenge. Uh, retaining and attracting talent still, still seems to be a challenge for operators. I think it's getting better, but it's not solved yet. And I, I don't know if it's ever been solved. Workforce has been a, a challenge for the industry as long as I've been here, and I've heard it's been you know a challenge for for years and years. Um, but I think what was unique in this environment was the uh, the wage uh, inflation that was going along with it that just made it really problematic, and that in and of itself put pressure on um, NOI right margins. And so I think we're still uh, in the midst of that. Unfortunately, occupancy was was coming back post COVID, and so um, that helped, and and certainly residents. Uh, and their family members seem to understand the inflationary challenges that we were all dealing with. And, and so uh, that was helpful. But as, I, as I've been talking to operators, I think those are going to be the challenges we're going to face over the next, uh, certainly the rest of this year and into, into next year. And you touched on the pandemic and senior living has been changed by the pandemic. Uh, and that's mentioned also in Argentum's recently released uh, strategic plan. And could you touch on some of the major ways that the field has been changed permanently due to the pandemic? Yeah, you know, as we were going through that that planning process, it was it was an interesting experience to to hear from from our, our members, operators, and other stakeholders um, about how the pandemic had had sort of impacted their business, and we and we knew the immediate impact, but how it was impacting their their long term uh, thinking about the business. I'd say you know, there's a couple areas. I think, um, and again, going back to workforce, you know, I think the labor market has changed. I won't say permanently, but but for the long term, um, uh, labor's sort of in the driver's seat at this point. And, and I think uh, today's workers are looking for more flexibility. Um, and so the industry is going to have to adapt to that. And, and as I've been talking to, to providers, you know, I think they are and they're figuring out ways to be more flexible um, with their staff. And so I, th I think everybody's starting to adjust to that. Um, but I think that that's going to be a, a long-term trend that the industry is going to have to continue to, to deal with, not to mention, you know, finding actual talent, right? There's going to be a, a huge need for folks to work in this industry over the coming years. And we'll, and we'll talk more about that in March uh, at our Public Policy Institute. But but I think that uh, is going to be a long-term challenge that, that we're going to be faced with. The other thing I think that came out of the pandemic was just a sort of uh, a closer alignment or, or a recognition that closer alignment with healthcare was coming 
to some degree. And whether that's value-based care that, that many providers are taking a look at or uh, just sort of uh, the need for residents, or I shouldn't say the need, but the fact that residents are coming in uh, later uh, in life and with higher acuities, perhaps in some instances. And so I, I think there's a recognition that that's sort of a, a, it's been going on, but I think COVID sort of exacerbated uh, that to some degree. And I think what comes with that is a desire for more transparency uh, around the care that's being delivered and the outcomes uh, as a result of that care. Uh, and so I think that's something the industry is going to be facing over over the coming years. I'd also say there's uh, we're seeing increased focus on senior living from lawmakers uh, and regulators. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's an outcome of COVID. I think COVID sort of accelerated that. I think that was always going to come. That, that sort of increased focus um, just by the sheer numbers that we're ultimately going to care for in the next 5, 10, 15 years. I think that was ultimately unavoidable, but I think COVID has um, sort of uh, brought that to the forefront. And so as an industry, we need to be prepared to sort of better educate lawmakers about who we are and what we do. And then the inflationary pressure that we're seeing now, um, I think, has uh, sort of raised the stakes as it relates to affordability. And there was a lot of talk about the middle market before COVID. Um, but the the wage pressures and inflationary pressures that that we've seen coming out of COVID, for a host of various reasons, I think has sort of elevated affordability as a as a issue that we're going to have to grapple with in the coming years. All that being said, though, I think the opportunities everybody's been talking about for the last ten fifteen years are there, and I think this industry has been incredibly resilient in how they dealt with COVID and how they've dealt with all of the challenges coming out of COVID. And I'm incredibly optimistic about our future and, and sort of where I see the industry going. Speaking of the future, um, Argentum's strategic plan includes a 10-year vision. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but knowing what you know now, um, where do you think or hope that the industry will be in 10 years? Yeah, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, so I'd say hope, right? A vision is, is always somewhat aspirational, although I, I think, you know, just based on what I saw coming out of out of our operators and our providers throughout the COVID pandemic, I, I think it's really achievable, uh, the vision that we've laid out. And it's really, you know, making sure that senior living is recognized by residents, their family members, the public at large to include media and lawmakers and regulators to be the most effective and efficient and compassionate uh, care delivery system to meet the needs of America's seniors. And right now, I don't, you know, out of outside of the residents that live in our buildings and, and their family members, and certainly our team members that work in our buildings, I don't think anybody really understands that. And I think that's our job over the next 10 years is to really communicate that out uh, and make sure everybody understands the great work that's going on in our buildings every single day. Now, the process to get to your final strategic plan was quite extensive. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it was... Uh, it was uh, it was long. It was, it was, you know, incredibly interesting, but it was a long process, but I think it had to be uh, just based on where we were coming from, having come out of, out of COVID um, or at the time we were starting to, to sort of come out of COVID. We started, uh, we brought on a firm uh, called through strategic planning and consulting firm. Um, and they did a great job leading us through the process, but we started back in the fourth quarter of 2021. Um, and we started with a conversation with our leadership and through different venues um, with our, our members and other stakeholders, trying to identify what some of the headwinds and the tailwinds were that, you know, the industry was facing in the short term and the long term. 
Um, and so that in and of itself, you can only imagine having come out of, you know, on our way out of COVID and, and facing some of these other challenges around labor and inflationary pressures and so on. You know, there was a lot there for people to chew through. Right. So it took us a while to get through some of those headwinds and tailwinds. But once we were able to sort of digest those down into some core themes, then we were able to work, uh, again, whether it was through our roundtables or through survey mechanisms or meeting with members at, at different events and venues, um, our strategic planning task force, which had been set up by our board to, to lead the whole process, and then going through it with our board uh, itself, um, we spent about the next 10 months sort of formulating this ten, well, the first few months of that formulating a ten-year vision, which I just talked about, uh, and then the balance of the time, really trying to drill down into the four core areas that we felt that we as an organization could ultimately be successful in helping the industry uh, move forward on. And we're by no means tackling all the challenges or opportunities, but but ultimately trying to make sure that that we were going to focus in on those that we thought. Uh, were ultimately most uh, uh, impactful and that we had the best chance of being successful in. And so those those really were what we were calling imperatives, four critical imperatives um, that we identified around developing our people, around sort of measuring what matters, um, telling our story, and increasing access. And so then once we had identified those, um, we really started dr- drilling down into some strategies that we could use over the next uh, three years to really try and move the needle on behalf mm-hmm. of the industry. And um, what are the metrics Argentum is going to be using to measure the success of those imperatives? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, and we, when we started this process, the conversation our board had was we wanted to do something that was going to be meaningful but measurable. Right. And we didn't want to do and I've been with organizations that have put out strategic plans that throw out, you know, very broad visions. But but you can never really measure whether or not you were successful. And, and, and I think that says a lot about our board in terms of what they were looking for us to, to be able to do and to be able to look back and say, yes, we did move the needle on on this issue. So we established some 10-year metrics or goals, I should say, uh, and then the first three years of, of our plan, we have specific metrics that we want to want to move the needle on. So, for example, over the next 10 years, ultimately, we want to engage, develop, and support 2 million people to come into the senior living industry. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to attract 2 million people, but we want to actually touch 2 million people in terms of presenting to them the senior living career opportunity. They'll ultimately make up their own mind as to whether or not they want to come into this industry uh, or whether or not they want to stay in this industry. But we're going to do everything we can to reach 2 million people to show them the great benefits of coming into this industry and the great career opportunities they can have if they decide to make this their career home, so to speak. And so in the first three years of of our our 10-year vision, and so the three years of our our plan, we're going to ultimately – uh, tap into 250,000 of those people. And really, one of the, the strategies we've got for doing that is um, through strategic partnerships with other organizations that are already training people. So one of the things that was really eye-opening for me was uh, the fact that there are about 30 million people a year that are being trained for jobs, for careers that have no line of sight to senior living whatsoever. They've got visibility to healthcare, they've got visibility to construction, they've got visibility to restaurants or hospitality, but senior living is completely absent uh, in their minds in terms of a, a career opportunity. And there's these organizations like Job Corps Centers that train young adults 16 to 24 
for a career in any one of those sectors. And so how do we get the senior living career opportunity in front of those people that are going through those job course centers? Or how do we get the senior living career opportunity in front of everybody that goes through a job center? American job centers that, that train unemployed individuals uh, for careers? Or how do we get the senior living career opportunity into every community college or into every vocational school and even further down the, the pipeline into high schools? And so that was really eye-opening for me that there's 30 million people for us to, to potentially tap into. And I was recently, we've just re- entered into a partnership with a group called MTC. They're the largest manager of job core centers in the country. And one of the pilot sites is uh, over in Woodstock, Maryland, and uh, a few of our team members and I went over there for a tour the other day. And we went into one of their healthcare classes where they've got folks that are training to become CNAs, among other things. And we asked them, you know, where do you where do you plan to work? And it was, you know, like you'd expect hospitals to some degree, skilled nursing facilities, but nobody was really considering senior living as an option. And so we spent some time with them and explained to them sort of all the, the, well, one, the type of work we do and the people we care for, but also the flexibility that we offer, the benefits that our, our companies offer, the career pathing opportunities that are available to them. And so by the time we left, I was completely out of business cards, right? I mean, they were all like really excited and energized about entering senior living. I don't know how many of them will ultimately come into our space, but if we can partner with job core centers like that, get our localized employers you know, our operators to engage with them. I think that's a meaningful pipeline of talent that we can develop over time. So that's just one example of how we're, we're sort of planning to address that. I think policymakers need to focus on, on the issue of, of uh, the long-term care workforce. Absolutely. Um, if they don't, this country is going to have a real problem caring for seniors. Uh, I think we all know it because we live and breathe it every day. Um, but we've got to do a better job of propo- proposing some of the policy solutions to lawmakers. Certainly, immigration reform is a part of that, but but absent that, how do we uh, identify opportunities to engage foreign-born workers in other opportunities, whether they're refugees or worker exchange programs? I think that's a strategy that we're we're going to explore and, and pursue. Uh, but we also need you know the the government to to create grant programs and funding programs so that local workforce development boards can start to train up a long-term care workforce for this country, which we know we're going to need for the next several decades. So that's really what we're thinking about when we talk about developing our people. Uh, The other area that we're focused on is, as I mentioned, is measure what matters. And so this goes to the whole issue of of transparency. And I think increasingly uh, residents and family members are going to be requiring uh, transparency around the type of care that's delivered. But I also know lawmakers and regulators are going to do the same. Um, at the state level, we're starting to see some states uh, put together task forces to take a look at quality metrics and assisted living specifically. But we also know the federal government's taking a look at quality measures around HCBS programs. Now, right now, it's voluntary and it's state reported, but it's not very much of a stretch to think that at some point it's not voluntary. And once states are required to report it, they're going to force their providers to report it. And so while only about 18% or so of our industry uh, is involved in home uh, HCBS programs, at some point I could see that extending, uh, those requirements extending even into private pay senior living. So this whole concept of, of quality outcomes is something I think we as an industry need to, to get out in front of. And increasingly, Medicare Advantage plans and other healthcare uh, partners, potential healthcare partners, are going to be looking for some of these outcomes as well. So that's a big focus for us moving forward in terms of identifying some of those outcomes. Mm-hmm. 
And then I'd say the third area is, is really around telling our story, and particularly with lawmakers, right? We heard that uh, over and over throughout COVID. You know, they just didn't understand who we were or what we did. And so we're really digging into that. We, we need to do a better job of telling that story, but we also need to understand what their perceptions are of us. Are they positive? Are they negative? Why don't they understand who we are and what we do? Uh, and how do we shift that over time? And, th- and then, as I said before, how do we measure it? So we're actually going to measure policy influencers' perceptions of senior living, and we're going to move that needle over time. We won't get it right uh, right away, right? Um, but you can only sort of manage what you measure. And so that's how we're, we're thinking about that. Um, and then the last area is just increasing access. And so how do we make sure that the affordability issue you know, how do we address the affordability issue? We've got to make sure there's policy solutions that help facilitate the development of a middle market product, but also expand Medicaid uh, assisted living as well by increasing reimbursement rates. So more providers will be interested in participating in that program. So those are really the areas that we're focused on on uh, moving the needle on over the next three to 10 years. And uh, speaking of policymakers, I know Argentum's Public Policy Institute is coming up in early March in Washington. Um, what are the biggest messages that Argentum wants to get across to legislators and their staff members and others? Yeah, we're excited. I think it's going to be our, the largest public policy institute we've had to date um, uh, since we've come out of COVID. So we're excited to have everybody join us in Washington, D.C., One of the things we need to do as a baseline is make sure that lawmakers understand the value we provide. They don't know who we are, they don't know what we do, and they don't know the value we provide. And the value we provide specifically is the value we provide to residents and their families in terms of the high level of care that we provide. And you see it in satisfaction rates uh, across the board. But it's also the value we provide to the broader healthcare system, whether it's um, providing care that keeps people out of the hospital um, or providing care that helps improve their outcomes over time. And so we've been doing some work on that and, and really excited to start to share that with lawmakers. And I think once we've established that baseline, then we need to talk about really the, the top issues that we're facing. And currently it's workforce, right? And, and there's got to be some solutions to addressing our workforce challenges. Uh, And a big part of that is going to be getting HHS and Department of Labor to create grant programs that help fund solutions for long-term care workers, particularly in senior living. Uh, And we've been conspicuously absent in the past. And one of the things we were really pleased about in last year's budget package was getting report language that required DOL and HHS to actually use existing programs and target them towards uh, long-term care and senior living more specifically. And so we just need to do more of that uh, and get more of those resources made available uh, so that the country as a whole can train up a long-term care workforce. So I think that's probably job number one. The other area we're going to be taking a look at is really the affordability issue and starting conversations with lawmakers in terms of of how to make uh, access and affordability uh, to senior living real priorities for them over the coming years. And so we need to start educating them on that as a challenge. But job number one is is the workforce piece. Is there anything else you believe is important to mention while we're speaking today? Well, just we're going to be uh, releasing at that uh, event some uh, new projections about the long-term care workforce needs and senior living workforce needs more specifically over the next uh, 10 and 20 years. Um, so I don't have any numbers to share yet. Folks will need to join us in Washington, D.C. to, to get those. Um, but I think that'll go a long way towards helping uh, sort of educate lawmakers about this this coming crisis that, that we've got. 
Um, and, and then I just encourage people to join us in New Orleans for the Senior Living Executive Conference. Um, it's going to be a great one. Uh, New Orleans is a great town. So we're in May this year. And so uh, hopefully look forward to seeing a lot of your listeners and readers there. Thank you. And um, I know people can go to the Argentum website and the McKnight Senior Living website to read more about what we've been talking about today. This is Lois Bowers, editor of McKnight Senior Living, and I've been speaking with James Balda, president and CEO of Argentum. James, thanks again for speaking with me today. Thanks so much, Lois. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in senior living news, visit McKnightSeniorLiving.com.